does my baby have it? Do they not have it? Is it causing issues that I'm having? Hey ladies, you're listening to the Mom Talks with Krista podcast, where I interview some of the most amazing women from those sharing knowledge related to labor, breastfeeding, and postpartum issues to everyday moms sharing stories of struggle, triumph, and the unexpected. These women are sure to give you honest conversations to help accomplish one key issue, getting rid of mom shaming. So if you want a judgment-free, open conversation, buckle your seatbelt and enjoy the ride. This is Mom Talks with Krista. Hey guys, this is Janina. This episode of Mom Talks with Krista, this is our special Q&A segment that we have with Kristen Sarando, who is a lactation consultant and nurse from Florida. And this is actually our third segment we are doing with her now. In this episode, we're going to focus all about tongue and lip ties. So there's so many questions that people have about this. And so we're just so excited to just dive right in. So welcome, Kristen. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, everybody. Super excited to be here and to be able to uh, talk about this uh, topic that seems to be on everyone's brain when it comes to breastfeeding. Does my baby have it? Do they not have it? Um, Is it causing issues that I'm having? So I think this will be a great talk to help at least give you guys some resources and some basic information to help guide you through some of the decision-making process and uh, when to reach out to somebody if you feel like you need to. So Perfect. Yeah. And I know I also see a lot of questions about in the group and I always just tell everyone, I'm like, talk to a medical professional, have someone that's in the field that knows about it instead of sharing a picture and just getting an idea online. It's always best to, that was another reason too. I was telling everyone in the group, I was like, we have an interview coming up, but always, you know, always check with a medical professional first. So for anyone that hasn't tuned in to these episodes yet, can you just do a brief introduction to who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Kristen and I am a lactation consultant out of Orlando. Um, I My company is Orlando Lactation and I've been a nurse for 16 years and a lactation consultant for 11. This has always been my passion, women's health in general, um, providing support and just overall comfort to moms, giving them kind of a resource that they can go to. So have really made it my passion. I struggle with breastfeeding my kids. Uh, so really have a personal personal side when it comes to breastfeeding, which if you talk to most lactation consultants, usually that's probably why they got into the field. Um, There was some issue or some type of family thing that just kind of migrated them to that and kind of took over. So here I am 11 years later. So awesome. Well, thanks for coming back. I'm really excited to dive in this topic of tongue and lip ties. So for anyone listening, first things first, what is a tongue or lip tie? Okay. So, and that's great. Let's start right from the beginning. So a long time ago, I, you know, and people will say, well, why do, why is it all of a sudden now one of the things that um, people are talking a lot about? Has it never been there before? Has it always been there? So it's something naturally that uh, grows in the mouth, but I personally, I don't really feel like we ever knew that there was a purpose for it, you know, so a lip tie, which is also also called a labial frenulum, is the piece of skin that attaches the lip to like the gum tissue. Okay. Um, it helps give it, uh, its purpose when sucking babies are getting seals. It helps provide that ability there on that upper lip to be able to do some of the 
functional aspects that it needs to. So if you guys stick your tongue up on your lip and you rub it back and forth, you're going to feel a little piece of skin there as well as the lingual frenulum. So the lingual frenulum is the one that's under the tongue. Okay. It's supposed to be there. You guys have them, but when it starts to come into an issue is when the baby developed in, in utero, how the tongue and how the lip developed, how those frenulums kind of developed where they are. If it went too far down, if it didn't go far enough, if the tissue is too thick. Um, so it's not kind of like, you know, you have two lungs and you have two kidneys and they grow this like perfect organ. It can have some variances on how it's attached, where it's attached. So what, what has happened is over the years, they finally, you know, people, dentists and speech therapists and lactation consultants, um, ENTs. Well, this does provide a, a purpose and it helps the mouth be able to function in, in many different ways. So when we look at it as a lactation consultant, yes, the baby could have one, which you guys, you guys share pictures all the time. Well, do they have one? Well, yeah, you're supposed to have it, but how is it functioning? You could have one and it could be attached too close to the tip of the tongue or too far back, or it could be thick, but is it functioning the way that it's supposed to? So when we look at it, when it comes to feeding, that's the big aspect that we want to look at. Yes, they probably is visible. We, we see it, but that doesn't necessarily mean is it hindering anything because technically it's supposed to be there. For the lip, what the lip portion does is it provides that upper lip to the gum line. If it goes down too far to where the gum is, like where your teeth would be, sometimes the babies have a hard time flanging the lip out because you have something kind of pulling it back down. You might see when they drink from a bottle or they're at the breast, this upper lip consistently kind of pulls down and it's not able to flange out the way that it's supposed to. These also, maybe when you were grown up, these might've been the kids that had a gap between their two front teeth. If that frenulum went down too far, it pulled up on the gum ridge and it actually had a space there. And so when the teeth came in, it made that gap there between their two front teeth. A lot of times I'll ask, you know, parents, typically they are hereditary. Um, so I'll ask the parents, did you have a gap between your two front teeth growing up? Did you have to have braces that um, had anything to do with spacing there on that, on that upper uh, gum line? But is it doing what it's supposed to? So some of the things that we look at as lactation consultants, can I move the lip up towards the nose? Is it nice and stretchy when the baby's feeding? Does that upper lip flange out. Okay. So that's one thing. The lingual frenulum is the one that is under the tongue. So this one here, definitely a little bit more of a priority because the tongue does a lot of things other than just being in the mouth. Okay. We use the tongue to be able to feed, to swallow. It actually helps in uh, breathing and sleeping. So it does provide a lot of other things than just feeding wise. Okay. So typically if I have a baby that's got a tongue tie, you know, these babies might be the ones who aren't sleeping well. They're constantly up. They don't take naps. They spit up a lot. They have a lot of gas. And it's because when the tongue is resting in the mouth, the mouth doesn't close properly. Um, it's not moving the food through properly. So the babies get, have a lot of gas or a lot of air. So when we talk about, you know, 
Is, is it an issue? Those are some of the things that we look for. You know, can, I might be able to see it, but can the baby stick their tongue out? Can they move their tongue side to side? You know, if you guys put a pacifier in their mouth, are they able to cup their tongue around the pacifier when you're feeding them the bottle? Do you see that their tongue curls up like a little taco around uh, the bottle, around the breast tissue? Do they spit up a lot? Does milk come out the sides of their mouth? So there's a lot of things that we look for. So overall, when we're looking at the big picture, you know, they'll go, moms, excuse me, moms will go to their pediatricians and say, well, it looks okay. Well, it might look okay, but is it functioning the way that it's supposed to? As long as it is functioning the way that it is supposed to, then we don't do really anything about it. It's something that we watch, but it's not, you know, oh, it has to have the baby's, you know, tongue clipped or lasered or anything like that. So we have to look at all of the different aspects. One, assessment of it. Two, how are they doing feeding? What are some other things? You know, are they spitting up a lot? How do they sleep? Do they cry a lot? Are they gassy? So is it contributing to any other factors? There's are, you know, when babies are having issues as far as like colic, gas, sometimes pediatricians might tell moms to, um, stay away from diet or diet food items because baby's having a lot of gas or spitting up. Well, it might not necessarily even be related to that, but maybe related to some oral weakness or tongue tie that's actually causing it. So when mom, before moms do drastic things like completely change their diet or start baby on medications, you know, I always recommend when I see in these uh, Facebook groups and social media, see a lactation consultant first, because it could be an easy fix. Like maybe mom just has an over um, milk supply that's causing some of your issues, or maybe there is oral issues that are going on that's causing it. You'll see that if you take all that stuff out of your diet, you do the medications that uh, for reflux, nothing gets better because it wasn't really those things to begin with. Okay. You guys kind of know what they are. They're meant to be there. Everybody has them. It's just how they're attached. Like I said, usually it's hereditary. Um, so if you had one child that has it, definitely, you know, get on top of it with another child if you had uh, feeding issues. And then we have to look at the functionality. Are they um, able to function and do what they have to do in order to feed and sleep and all the things that are fundamental things of life that they have to be able to do? If all of those are the case, then it's not something that we typically refer you to see somebody. If the baby does have a lingual labral frenum, usually they have both, um, just how it developed uh, during utero. What you guys are going to want to do is have a, uh, a team of people. You're not just going to be seeing a lactation consultant. So this is one of the other areas that a lot of moms have questions about. Well, who do I see? What do I do? This person told me that it's not causing an issue, but this person said, I don't ever go against what the pediatricians say, but I do find that you know, they're not the ones that are there feeding. So yes, assessment wise, they're looking at it, they feel like it's okay, but we have to look again at the big picture. Are they feeding and doing what they need to be doing as far as feeding goes? And what are some of those other habits that the baby is doing? If you're having a lot of issues, First, definitely see a lactation consultant feeding specialist to kind of assess whether it be with bottle feeding or with breastfeeding so we can see what the baby's physically doing at the breast. Um, again, they will have a lot of symptoms that we actually just by feeding can see 
that they're having issues just by how they, how they feed. Okay. Usually you're going to see a lactation consultant for the feeding aspect, uh, the breastfeeding aspect. Then you're usually, we call it a team approach. So you're going to have a speech and language pathologist or oral motor therapist, depending upon how they're trained to do an oral, uh, you know, an oral assessment. Lactation consultants usually can do some type of oral assessment, but it's really out of their full scope of practice to be able to do a full um, oral assessment. That's really when we kind of go to the therapist for uh, that portion of the exam. They'll give you their advice as far as orally is it causing any issues or maybe the baby just has some muscle weakness, maybe in the cheeks or the lips that are causing very similar issues. Okay. So you see the lactation consultant for feeding. Then we see, send you over to the therapist and let them look at you. Usually they're going to be the ones that will give you the recommendation. Yes. I feel like it's hindering uh, your feeding, uh, maybe sleep patterns, um, other issues, then we send you usually to um, a dentist for a consultation for a release. Okay, we call it a, re a release. You want to, when you're seeing a um, dentist, you know, most of the time they will do a consultation and they will do an assessment on the baby and usually tell you, do they feel like it is causing issues to where that release needs to get done? Um, sometimes they will give you their opinion. Sometimes they'll be like, yes, absolutely. This is, you know, something that is significant that we need to do. Or they'll say, you know, this is something let's just watch. Okay. Or they might take into consideration the opinion of the lactation consultant and the speech and language pathologist to, you know, based upon what we're seeing, we feel like it is definitely hindering uh, feeding, which, you know, the baby could be having weight issues, not thriving the way that they're supposed to. So yes, let's go ahead and get this done to see if it'll help improve that aspect. Another part of the team is somebody that does body work. So when we talk about body work, it could be a multiple of different disciplines, um, either a physical therapist who's trained uh, in babies or children. We are connected from head to toe. So if a baby is having feeding issues, a lot of times, again, like I said, they're going to have usually spitting up gas, things like that. Well, the physical therapist, what they do is they also will help with body type things, you know, positioning, posture, tummy time, things like that will help kind of facilitate that. So we're usually looking at a physical therapist, uh, maybe a cranial sacral therapist, a chiropractor, somebody to kind of help do some of that body work. Because if all of this is tight or the lip or the tongue have been attached to the gum line or the floor of the mouth for so long, when it's released, it doesn't necessarily know what it's supposed to do. Or when it's attached tightly, it also causes tightness in other areas of the baby. Um, again, like I said, usually these babies will also have tummy issues, constipation, uh, a lot of different things that'll kind of go along with it. So you're looking for a team approach, you know, so your lactation consultant, your speech and language pathologist, or your occupational therapist, your 
or a physical therapist, somebody to do some body work um, as far as uh, physical therapy or cranial sacral therapy, chiropractor, and then your dentist usually comes in if, if that release is needed. Definitely after the release, usually we want you to see the speech and language pathologist prior to release as well as after, because what they're going to do is they're going to give you exercises to go ahead and start strengthening up some of those muscles. So when the release is done, it's not so overwhelming to the baby. We've kind of already practiced putting our hands in their mouth, doing some exercises. So then now that the revision is done, I don't want anybody's hand in my mouth because now I've had the revision done, but I'm a little bit more willing. So we want to kind of see those babies first to get that assessment in, get some therapy going, then have the release if needed. And then ultimately you're going to be seeing the therapist after as well. But again, that's if the release is needed. Awesome. Wow. That was a, yeah, a lot of information. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, that's perfect because I think like I was saying before, as we get a lot of people that will just post a picture in the group and say, is this a tongue tie? And then they hear like their friend or whatever had um, a baby with a tongue tie that needed to be removed. So then they had this negative connotation mm-hmm. with tongue ties. So I think that was awesome what you said about, you know, it needs to actually be seen by a specialist, see how they feed on the breast or, or a bottle. So the other mouth is moved. So that was amazing inf- information to hear it for in that case. And so when we, we did get this question off of Instagram about, you know, needing a release. So if they go through a release, is there a chance that the tongue tie could be regrown? Or I know you can, you talk also about like physical therapists where they would help like move the mouth. Can it reform ever? Is that possible? Yeah, it is. So once you have the release done, I actually just had my eight-year-olds done. Pediatrician as well as my pediatric dentist blew me off for years. Horrible sleeper, horrible feeder, had low milk supply, had lots of breastfeeding issues with her, just had hers done at the age of eight. When you have a release done, you have to do exercises because think about when the when you have a wound on, say, your arm or your any type of tissue on the skin, it's wants to grow back together. It wants to heal and go through that healing process. So the same thing with the mouth. If we are not doing exercises a couple of times a day to that area, that wound, and parents are like, well, it's, it's so horrible because I'm actually sticking my finger on the wound where the baby just had the, the laser treatment done. Well, we want to get in there and just make sure that we're moving that area around. We want it to heal properly to where it doesn't reconnect all of those tissues back together. So it is definitely important to make sure that you're doing the exercises. And that's probably one of the things that is the hardest for the parents. For me, I didn't have it done with my daughter as a baby, I had it older, but literally by that night, she didn't really have any discomfort and she just used her tongue and moved her, moved it back and forth on her lip. Didn't have any issues with reattachment with her. Our biggest thing, remember, I mean, she's eight now. So her smile was actually crooked. She doesn't close her mouth fully. Uh, She sleeps with her mouth open, poor sleeper. So she had a lot. And like I said, I struggled with milk production with her. Um, She had a poor suck reflux and it was all related to her lip and her tongue tie um, as a baby that I 
was trying to be proactive about, but kept being put aside by medical professionals that weren't trained in it, you know? So again, we'll talk about that in just a second, but you have to kind of go with your gut feeling. If you don't feel like things are going well, definitely reach out to somebody. You're going to find that you're going to have some hesitancy from different providers, uh, whether it be your pediatrician or your dentist saying, no, everything's fine. But also I kind of go with mom's intuition. I knew that there was something that was wrong. She wasn't feeding like my other three kids were feeding. I didn't feel like the breast was empty when she finished feeding. She wasn't transferring the milk. So definitely go with your gut feeling because a lot of times it's just, you know, you don't know what you don't know, you know, and I find that my older uh, doctors typically not as gung-ho about it just because it's something, like I said, this is something more newer that's being talked about that people are learning about. I find my younger doctors are now learning about it in school. They're more aware of it. They have a little bit more knowledge about it. Not, you know, not to not say that the older doctors don't, but you know, they're the ones that, well, it's been there forever. It's not really causing any issues. So make sure that if you don't feel comfortable with the answer that you got, that you reach out to somebody else for a second opinion, because you know, your, your body, you know, your child. Did that answer your question? Yeah, I think that was it. Yes. I was like, did yes. I go off topic or did you answer your question? <clears throat> no, that was definitely um, This podcast is sponsored by Mommy Knows Best. Are you looking for a lactation cookie that's not only effective, but tastes good? Mommy Knows Best offers an assortment of lactation cookies, brownies, and our newest ready-to-eat lactation cookies, perfect for our on-the-go moms. We offer six different flavors, including a dairy and gluten-free option. And let me tell you guys, you would not even know it's dairy and gluten-free unless someone told you. It's, It's so good. Mommy Knows Best empowers all moms with the tools and resources necessary to give your newborn the best start in life. With an assortment of lactation treats and supplements that contain all natural herbal remedies, traditionally and effectively used for generations to treat low milk supply. Whether you're a new mom or a pro, Mommy Knows Best gives you plenty of options, all of which are created with the health and safety of both baby and mom in mind. Right now, Mommy Knows Best is offering 20% off when you use the code MOMTALKS at mommyknowsbest.com. That's M-O-M-T-A-L-K-S for 20% off. I want to go over a list of signs. Okay, maybe your baby has some type of oral issues, lip or tongue tie that maybe they have, but it hasn't been diagnosed, but you're seeing some things that you're not really sure what they are. Okay. So for a mom, if you're breastfeeding, a lot of times it will be a painful latch. Your nipples might be all tore up and cracked because the baby's actually not latching properly. And when I mean latching properly, Maybe they're not able to get their tongue under the breast tissue the way that they're supposed to, to actually get the milk out of the breast. So they're not getting their tongue underneath of there. So they kind of be, they're more nipple feeding than necessarily breastfeeding. The nipple, when the baby comes off, could be flattened or a funky shape. So those are some things physically with breastfeeding. Sometimes you could have a low milk supply. Okay. Maybe my milk never came in. It's day six and the baby's eating all the time, but still don't really feel like I have any changes in milk production. Well, remember if a baby is not feeding well, then they're not actually taking the milk out of the breast the way that they're supposed to. So then in return, 
your milk starts to slow down or it doesn't come in and ultimately hinders milk production. Okay. So how breast milk works is whatever's taken out gets replenished in the beginning. As long as I'm having stimulation is sending signals to my pituitary gland to make milk. So as long as that process is going, then things will happen. But if the baby's not feeding properly, your body's not getting those signals. So it can delay milk from coming in or ultimately decrease milk supply. You could have some of those soreness or funky shape when the baby comes off. Maybe the baby nurses for 10, 15, 20 minutes on each side and comes off and they're still hungry. They eat very frequently about every hour and they don't seem content. Uh, Maybe they are, you know, they're not peeing and pooping. Babies being content between feedings Mom's not having any pain with breastfeeding and the baby's having wet and dirty diapers lets me know that the baby is getting plenty of milk from the breast tissue. Okay. So if the baby's not having those wet and those dirty diapers, they're constantly crying, they're eating frequently, though that's letting you know that there is something not going right. Whether it be, could the baby have a lip or tongue tie? Could it have some oral issues? you know, we have to kind of, it's like a little puzzle and we have to kind of put all the little pieces to the puzzle uh, together. So those are some things that mom could see with her, with baby, like I said, decreased output, not content with their mouth, this little uh, divot here in your lip, sometimes they'll have a little blister right there. So it'll be, I'll have a little bubble there or maybe on their lips in general, a bunch of little ridges, kind of, we call it like cobblestone lips. So if you think of what a bunch of bricks lay in and how all the little grooves are, their lips would look like that. What happens, why the babies typically have that is either say that labial frenulum is pulling down to where the lip is rubbing against mom's breast tissue. It could cause those blisters. Or if they are not strong enough to actually hold on to the breast themselves or to be able to get the milk out, what tends to happen is the lips compensate for that. So the lips kind of grip down on the breast tissue to hold it and maintain it. So by doing that, it's constantly being rubbed and causes all those little blisters and chapping of their lips, you know, so that's definitely if your baby, if you see that on your babies, definitely, you know, make sure that you reach out to somebody just for an opinion on how they're doing uh, feeding. Again, are they content? How often are they feeding? Are they having those wet and those dirty diapers? Then we get into, are they just really gassy and fussy all the time? Uh, Do they constantly spit up? When they sleep, do they sleep with their mouth open? Babies aren't meant to be mouth breathers. Okay. They're nose breathers. So and the reason for that is because the tongue doesn't lay properly in their mouth. So it's actually a defense mechanism for them to keep their mouth open. So that way they can breathe. Okay. So there's a lot of different things that you can see when they drink from a bottle. Does it take them a long time to drink from a bottle? You know, I would say a baby could drink a bottle within 10 or 15 minutes. If you have a baby that's taken 30 minutes to drink a bottle and we're talking like two ounces, that would be an indication that there's something going on. When you feed them a bottle or they're breastfeeding, does milk consistently just drip out the sides of their mouth or down here at the bottom part of their lip? You know, that would be a good indication. So there's a lot of things that you moms can just be looking for. And that doesn't mean a baby is going to have all of those things. But if there's any of those things that they're doing, doing, there could be an issue that you're not even aware of because you don't necessarily know that that is indicative of anything. So as we were kind of talking about that and how 
you know, you mentioned your, your daughter at eight years old had it fixed too. So maybe think about like timing and stuff as well. So it's kind of a two-part question, but mm-hmm. is there circumstances where a baby might have an issue, but they're, you know, they can kind of grow out of it. And the other question would be, if they do need the surgery or do need the, you know, treatment, is there a best age or time or, you know, is, uh, is it ever too late to kind of get it done as well? I have colleagues that just had it done in their thirties and forties, believe it or not. So it was something that they never really knew that they had. And then they kind of got into the field and, oh, well, I constantly have backache. I constantly have migraines. I have like TMJ and here it's all correlated to just having a tongue tie. So it's, it's amazing uh, research how, you know, I could go on gamuts of different things of um, research that once a release was done, different things that went away with people. And um, just, it's kind of interesting how just something as simple as that could make so many other things so much better. So if I knew of a baby going from my personal experience and from what my knowledge is um, in my field, the earlier, the better. Okay. It's going to save you a lot of headache. Um, I've had years of not sleeping because of my eight-year-old, you know, and here probably all was just due to apnea um, and not being able to sleep uh, properly because the tongue wasn't laying properly in her mouth. So I definitely Personally, I would say the earlier uh, the intervention, the better. It's going to save you a lot of headache and long-term issues, medical interventions that you would have to do. Is it something that just resolves itself? No. Okay. If they have it, they have it. It's not like, okay, babies has a really tight uh, lingual frenulum and it's just one day going to go away. No. When I talk to you about some of my colleagues that have had it done later in life, they've learn to deal with it and they've compensated for it. And so again, these were the kids in school that probably had some speech issues, had issues, say in particular sounds, you can't stick your tongue out. When you lick on a, like a lollipop or a popsicle, you're not able to extend your tongue out to get it underneath of those things. Those would be, those of you guys who are older, possibly, you know, would be, you know, something that you would have, want to have a look at as adults. One of the things that people always say, well, when they French kiss, can you move your tongue around? That's usually one of the big ones. No, my tongue doesn't move. And I always have a hard time with that. Well, probably you probably have one. And like I said, it's usually hereditary one way or another that, you know, if mom or dad have it, usually one of the children, if not all the children would have it. So definitely, you know, if you are an adult, and you've had issues sleeping for years, you had issues growing up with speech therapy, feeding, you know, you have issues with texture and swallowing and different things like that. You're a mouth breather. Um, And like I said, it's funny how we're all connected from our head to our toe. As an adult, if you have a lingual uh, frenulum, again, Sometimes it can be correlated to headaches, neck ache, back ache, some, you know, GI stuff, because if there's tension and tightness up in here, it does affect a lot of uh, different other organs uh, throughout the body. Remember, the tongue plays a huge part, not only in just feeding, but swallowing and sleeping. And if we're not sleeping, then our body is not healing and kind of going through some of that healing process. Will it naturally fix itself? No. Could the body naturally 
people learn to compensate with it, yes, but you technically, you probably would find that as time goes on, you'll have other issues. These children usually are, like I said, poor eaters, difficulty taking a sippy cup, maybe on bottles for longer periods of time because won't take a sippy cup or it takes them a long time. Speaking of my eight-year-old, she didn't take solids until she was a year old. And I constantly was, you know, concerned and reaching out to the pediatrician. And he said, you know, it's fine as long as she's getting her main source of nutrition through breast milk or formula, it's okay. Because they're really not using feeding at that particular time as the main source of nutrition. It's just them learning to have foods in their mouth and textures and how to move their tongue. But she couldn't do that. She always pushed everything out because she wasn't able to move her tongue the way that it was supposed to. Even if you just see a provider for a consultation just to, you know, get an opinion, um, what they think. And again, if you guys even just do some research, you know, long-term tongue ties, lip ties, how it can affect us as adults. And those of you guys who are adults, you know, you parents that are watching, you know, ask yourself, oh my gosh, I do have a lot of those. Maybe I have it with maybe my child has it. So, you know, it never hurts to see somebody just for an evaluation and how much it could uh, change your life just by having something so simple like that um, taken care of. I personally, I find that I have a better response. My babies seeing dentists uh, that use uh, lasers. There are some ENTs that will cut it. A long time ago, they used to like uh, surgically cut it and then suture it. More today, if it's pretty um, thin, a lot of times pediatricians or ENTs will snip it. But usually the best best way to kind of take care of it and for to know that long term that it will completely um, heal and not reattach would be laser would be my first choice. And that's what we ended up having done with our daughter. So, mm-hmm. um, and completely healed. I mean, within a week, the tissue is completely healed, no issues so much better. So, you know, definitely, you know, just even reach out to somebody for a consultation. It doesn't mean you have to have any type of procedure done, but just to kind of, you know, for your sake, know that you have some type of information to, to kind of go off of. Who knew a tongue or lip tie could be tied to so many other things. You know, you just mentioned migraines and TMJ, backaches. So that's super, super interesting. And I mean, I think, you know, we're always learning more, especially, you know, in the medical field. So mm-hmm. It's cool to see that, you know, the different changes in you know research that they're finding out mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this was very informative. There's so much here that I think our moms will, you know, take away from it because like I said, we, we get these questions all the times in the group. And so I think this would be really helpful to share. So I I can't wait to share it with them for anyone that again, it hasn't followed you before on these, on these episodes. Can you tell them where they can follow you? Absolutely. If you guys have any questions, you know, definitely even as a lactation consultant, constantly learning. You know, I just came back from a conference, uh, constantly learning. This is an ongoing process. So you definitely can reach out to me if you have any questions, which I'm Orlando Lactation. Uh, so www.orlandolactation.com. Also, one of the things, Krista, that we didn't talk about is how do you prov- how do you find a provider? So when you guys are looking for a lactation consultant or a speech and language pathologist or a dentist or anything like that to 
have a consultation done or for somebody to look at it, make sure that you're looking for somebody who is TOTS trained, T-O-T-S, which is tethered oral tissues. We are trained and specialized in lip and tongue ties. Okay. So you want to make sure that you're seeing somebody that has some type of knowledge on it. Also pediatric dentists, when you guys are searching for a pediatric dentist, pediatric dentist that does lingual label of frenulums, phrenotomies, phrenectomies, they're called a lot of different things. You can always, we are dentists here locally. I always tell my moms, they're going to tell you if it needs to be done or not. So always schedule a consultation, have them see you, give them, you know, let them give you their opinion. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to have anything done, but at least it'll give you a resource that you guys go to. They'll do an assessment. They'll be able to tell you, yes, we feel like this is hindering things. It's something that you guys need to take care of. So make sure that you're looking for somebody who's TOTS trained. Uh, and again, it's T-O-T-S. Um, there's a lot of social media groups that you guys can look into, uh, just search just locally, touch trained uh, provider, you know, where I live. And then also when you're looking for dentists, you're when you go to their websites, and you see what services they offer, you'll see that they'll offer uh, phrenotomies, phrenectomies, that'll talk about lingual, lingual, frenulums, laser, any of that type of stuff. So make sure that you're, you know, you're doing your research and looking out um, for, you know, people in your area that um, are knowledgeable about about the, you know, the tongue and lip ties. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I actually just made a post in our group about making sure when you are getting a medical question to go to the right person, right in, in the medical field, don't go to a Facebook group and just ask, you know, a random yeah. person, you really want to make sure this, you know, this is something that's very serious and, you know, need to go to the right person for Well, it. and most insurances pay for lactation services. So anybody that always reach out, reaches out to me, I always have them go through my insurance first. Let's see if we can get it covered through insurance. Most insurances will pay for lactation services. If not fairly reasonable, you know, so reach out to somebody because the earlier the interventions, the better the outcomes. And when I talk about that, I mean, like as far as milk production, if we have a baby who's not feeding well, it's going to hinder production. So make sure that you see somebody earlier versus later. Or if you just don't get a good feeling like things are going right, or they're having some of the symptoms or characteristics of some of the things that we talked about, definitely reach out to somebody just to get some answers for you and make sure that you're kind of in the right direction. Perfect. Awesome. Well, and guys, as you're watching, if you have any other questions that come up that um, you want to ask Kristen, remember we are doing these once a month. So we're kind of covering different topics each month. So we do always look at the comments too. So if you guys have questions, maybe we, we can answer them on a future episode. So thanks everyone for tuning in and thanks Kristen for coming on. These have been Thank you guys. So these are thanks awesome. guys. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the mom talks with Krista podcast. For more information about this show, past shows, or to check out our YouTube channel, please see our show notes. If you loved the show, please share it with your mom tribe. The bigger, the better. Thanks for listening and have a great day.